this will at least begin our day today. Uh, first of all, this is our kitchen table. Yeah. We took all the leaves out in it. It's, it's much longer than this, but this is where we spend a lot of our time right here at this table. I want to tell you about this table. It started out clean without any nicks or dents in it. it it's not typically supposed to have the distressed look that it, it has. Yeah, it's been very distressed. So maybe you would spend more money on a distressed look. This table has been wiped down many, many times. We've actually wiped off some of the finish and um, little Lysol wipes and all kinds of wipes. It has wear and tear. And the beauty of this table is that it has wear and tear. If it didn't have a, a ding, it, mean, it means no one ever sat there. The chairs have had to be repaired. Um, Doug Bates has repaired some of our Thank you. Jay chairs. Bates. Jay, yes. Jay Bates Thank have you, had, Jay. To, had to repair some of our chairs. And, and um, Jack Eggers has had to repair some chairs. But it means they've been sat in. They've been occupied. And they've been pushed in and out. And I would like to say that some people try to keep things clean um, and I'm not talking about a germ-free, but I'm talking about new, and in the process, they've left other things untouched. So, this is not the totality of our lives. This is not everything that happens, but at this very place, the great issues of life are discussed. And there's other things that happen here, too. It's, uh, it's a communal place. And it was established by the Lord. He ate with his disciples. Some of the greatest truths ever found in the world happened around a table where he ate, broke bread. And he did that as an example, but of course it, it probably was part of their culture. And, um, and so this is the basis of the explosion of Pentecost came after the upper room and after the celebration was over and people left, something happened. There were, there were principles, doctrines, truth, questions and answers that took place. And we find it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. And there's just a little phrase in there I want you to notice. They were, this was the early church. This is what they were doing. They were in the temple, daily in the temple. They came, we would relate it maybe to this house. But they were also breaking bread from house to house. In the breaking of bread from house to house, that is where all types of instruction can be given and questions can be answered. So, where are we? We're at a table. We're at our table. And this is critical because at our table, certain things take place. We're talking about family matters. This is the third series. Uh, and we're talking about the value of the table. So today we're going to discuss where we eat, um, what we eat, and with whom we eat. Those are the three main subjects. So he talked about the table. That's great. Now this is our kitchen table. We have lots of tables in our home. We have a coffee table. Mm -hmm. uh, and many of you have coffee tables, so your table may look different than our table. Uh, maybe your conversation is around your coffee table. 
We have a coffee table. We have a formal dining table. But this is the kitchen table, and this is basically where most of our conversation take place. And it's a lot of uh, private conversation between Jeff and I at our table. There's a lot of conversation about the kids, about life matters, about church work duties that happen. But it's real communication. There's a lot of communication with our children at this table. This is that place where we open and we have real communication. It's at our table where we learn. Um, I homeschool my kids and And I never thought about the wear and tear on my furniture when we made that decision. I never thought, oh my word, they're going to be at the house every day, every hour of the day, sitting in this furniture, wearing it out, marks everywhere. So it's at this table that we learn, we type school papers, we we wrestle with deep thoughts, questions, we fold clothes, yet we can't forsake the intended purpose of our table. It's at the table, like you said, that we break bread where we're nourished. And, of course, you know we're talking um, a lot of um, literal things, but a lot of figurative speech here, too. We break bread. We're nourished in our body here. But this is where we're nourished in relationship and in conversation. I think we have to note, Tammy, that we we purpose to do this. We wanted to do this. It didn't... It didn't just happen. Um, a lot of conversations hap- happened at our table when I was growing up, but didn't happen at your table. Right. But we had to make we sure that... We had a coffee that, table instead of a dinner table. Yes, we had to make sure that we determined we're going to sit and have conversations. Right. And when you said that we wrestle with, with deep things... At the table. I think that, that, those, re- that mo- those moments of wrestling have helped us. This is not a disclaimer, but, you know, we, we have four children and we don't know what the future holds for them. So we're not, we're not presenting that we have a perfect family at all. By no means. Um, we're, not, we're not talking about having perfect children, no. but we're talking about a pursuit sure. and a purpose and a determination. And so we've decided to do something here. This was a critical and important part of our lives. We decided to have this conversation. One of the reasons why I like going uh, and kind of, kind of getting with the kids, we, we went on a cruise, um, and that was a lot of fun. But my favorite time was that we sat at a table, and the dinner was long. And it was of course, prepared, and it was served. It was served, yeah. yeah. It was prepared, and was they could lovely. have as many uh, desserts and hors d'oeuvres as yes, they wanted to. And, but we sat there for two hours and a lot of conversation took place there. You know, a lot of conversation took place. Um, uh, Alexander, Alexander, uh, Alexandra, what's, what's my daughter's name? Alexandra, D-R-A, Allie and (laughs) Nico and Reagan at that table, uh, determined, uh, well, they determined for Roman, uh, who he should date. Uh, he didn't have a word. A lot of things take, take place there. And we're wrestling with creationism, yeah. doctrine. Yeah. With, we wrestle there with holiness, with being set apart, with money, finances. We wrestle with relationships outside. Yeah. And they're not a wrestling as far as argumentation, although that happens a lot too. Sure. Um, <clears throat> we'll but, get there for sure. But, the, we'll get but there. there are deep things 
where are we going to do it? Where is it going to happen? So I just want to interject that, that it's important that we have a place that we can wrestle with these things. Sometimes the place is cluttered because like I said, this is a school desk. It's a, um, it's where we do laundry. It's everything happens. And I'm sure you all know this. It happens at your home that everything happens around the kitchen table. So I have to make sure though, it, I like what you said about being intentional because we have to be intentional about decluttering the table so that we can have these moments. And yes, I'm not just talking about the nourishment, the meal, because I'm thinking more conversation takes place around this table than meals being served. Although meals do get served at this table, there's a lot of conversation that take place. So if the table's if the table's cluttered, it's not going to happen. So we have to be intentional about that. And before, I think you've said that a cluttered table is a house out of order. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, not the literal cluttering, although that that can be true too. Um, Let's talk about what is in the way, things in the way that keep us from having the relationship with the most important people in our lives. I'm always distressed when I figure out that people spend more time developing relationships through social media than they do with their own family. Um, Focus on the Family has revised some of their research and it's found that that most fathers spend less than five minutes uh, a day speaking to their children. Um, this is a this is a detriment to the family, and it could be because we have so many other things on our plate. And then we wonder what happened to our family when they're older. But meaningful conversation, we have to have meaningful conversation. I'll interject this thought. Um, Heather Sherman shared something with me not too long ago. We were talking about this this um, exact. Uh, scenario where fathers are away from the home, they're busy, and not just with any jobs. You men are carrying heavy loads in your workplace, and we recognize that, and we know that. And us women, we're praying for you. Um, so we, we were ta- Heather and I were talking about that. Dad comes home, he's carried, carrying a lot at work, and we've been with the kids all day. Some of you have littles, maybe it's adult kids. And she shared this great idea, and I've used it, and I don't even know if he knows... Uh, that I've been intentional about this, but I'd write on a little sticky note and say, don't forget to ask Nico about a science project. This is what he's studying. And I'd make a little list, kind of like what Derek prepares for pastor when he comes to the platform, who to thank, what to talk to him about, all these good things, making him look good. (laughs) I kind of have been, I've taken Heather's advice and I started doing that at home. And I'm telling you, it has opened. And I don't don't remember him doing it. I just messed up, didn't I? Shucks. Thank you, Derek. You make him look so good. But I, the truth is, it, it opens, it make, makes him, he doesn't have to think, okay, what, what am I to talk about? I don't, he knows what to talk about with his kids, but I'm the one that's been with them all day. So I know what they're going through. And moms, there's no need for me to step, sit back with my arms folded, mad that he didn't converse with them about this, whatever it was that they had going on in their life that day. So it has really helped with that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's team effort. With with the conversation. And and if you're a single parent, you know, um, there's a lot of work for you. And you know that. And all the single mothers that have talked to me and single fathers have talked to me, there's a challenge in your life. Um, But that doesn't mean that you should get overwhelmed. You do what you can do. You pay attention. And for all the single parents, you, you, you have to know this. 
you might have to simplify things so that you can have a relationship. Um, we, we got the term soccer moms. This, this really, in, in the early 2000s, soccer moms became the, became the big catchphrase. Um, and that, that, that gave uh, credence to uh, nonstop sports, nonstop entertainment, where, where the parents became couriers, taxi drivers for their, for their children because they didn't want their kids to, to, to miss out. And there was a lot of peer pressure among parents to make sure their kids were involved in everything. Well, there's a problem with that. This is what we found out. The soccer coach thinks the only thing that matters in life is soccer. And the football coach thinks you don't have anything else to do but go to football practice. And the marching band coach and the, and, and the flag coach and all the other events, the basketball coach thinks that's all you have to do. And we even talked about this at some juncture um, <clears throat> months ago, but that Alexandra was going to get involved in volleyball. And we thought that was fine. We paid the, we paid the entrance fee. But then we got the, the, the schedule. And every weekend, almost every weekend, they had to travel. And they had to be at practice two or three times a week. Hold on a second. Our life is not volleyball. She's probably not going to get a scholarship. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. That she won't get a volleyball scholarship. She's not. I don't think her head goes even hits the bottom of the net. There's no. It's not all my fault. You're going to owe a lot of money for talking. <laughs> oh. You know, something, if you, if you haven't noticed, yeah, right. If you haven't noticed something that we're really doing intentional at new life, and I think you'll get it is we're really trying to change the culture of everything that we do. We're trying to insert or interject the word table. in so many things we have tabletop Bible study. It's at a table. Thank you. Um, sister Anita Sargent for helping us with tabletop memorization how to sit at a table, memorize the word. We're reconstructing Wednesday night Bible, Wednesday night life groups um, so that it can be around a table, smaller tables. We're being very intentional. We want to change the culture. I don't want our culture or we don't want the culture to be uh, sports and, and everything like that. We want it to be family matters at the table. I, I want to give you a, a disclaimer. Sports do not build character. That's what the world is telling you. Yeah. Sports build character. No, I'll tell you what sports will do. It expose what kind of character you have. No, sports didn't build my character. It just showed how bad of an attitude I have when I lose. <laughs> even to this day. Yeah. Amen. We're not excu- amen we're not and excused. amen. Done. We're not against sports, of course. But I will tell you, I have found the church provides everything we need in our family. I'm not against I get, unless I win. We if get I win, enough I'm competition. Boring. We get a lot of competition. We get a lot of drama and, and activities. Drama. We get a lot of educational. No, serious. It's there's, true. There's a lot, of, um, a lot of activity for our kids right here in the church. Get your children involved in church, and they'll, you'll find the fulfillment. Now, we do like all the extra stuff outside. It's fun. We do it in, in reason. In moderation. In moderation. We're really... Doing this simplified. Well, thing. you know, We're Reagan trying. Reagan for Christmas, one of the you things that Reagan talking. asked Oh, go ahead. One one of the things Reagan asked for was a he wanted some weird things, but one of the things he wanted was a hug from Steph Curry. Yeah, a Steph Curry hug. An exotic animal to hang on his Wait, wall. he wants a Steph Curry hug. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know what I don't know what the deal is, a Steph Curry hug. 
He has seen him up close. And then he said, Dad, we can go to a game in, Indi- in Indianapolis. And I said, what day is it? He said, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Nope. Done. But we go to church all the, every Wednesday, and we're going to be going on that night. That's going to be the best night of your life because you're going to be in the church. It's true. It's true. It's good teaching. That's okay. You're clapping, but some of you don't believe that. You know, because if your child comes up to you and tells you you're going to negotiate, I just have to tell you, Ray is a good boy. He loves the Lord. He prays. He serves. But I've got to draw a line somewhere. And I got to find out how to get him a Steph Curry hug. But I'm not really working on it. But it'd be nice if we just stumbled upon him somewhere. Not on Wednesday. But not on Wednesday. He can get no hugs from Steph Curry on Wednesday. He can get no hugs on Steph Curry on Sunday. Praise God. So that's a little bit about where we eat at the <laughs> table. How about what we eat? What is it that we're ingesting? Go ahead. Talk about the ideas, philosophies. Um, can we can we do a little bit of this right here it still represents well it still represents um the table still represents an idea of the passing on of ideas and upon and and of what our philosophy is it even it even allows us opportunity to develop our own family recipes now i don't want to get into cajun food and italian food or creole cooking or Crawfish etouffee or pasta, pasta with Ikea. He's competitive and he doesn't want to bring it up. I don't want to, but I have to bring it up. Because <laughs> he knows. I'm not going to bring up all this, yeah, yeah. Okay. even though I just did. What, what, I'd, what I'd like to say, however, is that we have a family recipe and it has nothing to do with food. It's how we function. Yeah. And we teach that at our table. So when we, when we hear, yes, dad, but... They, their family does it or their family, we're not in their family. This is how we do it here. That's very difficult because if you're not prepared, they'll throw up a family that you actually love, but does something different than you do. And then you'll get stuck and say, well, we really love them. And so you're trying to negotiate. You don't want to disrespect the other family in the church, but you may not do it that way you may not live that way so you have to develop what are our family recipes what of what are our family what do we do in our family and in this table or at this table a lot of examples take place and the view of the family role occurs at a table what's your view what is the family role how do we learn about mom or dad the world is not going to teach you that you can learn some of this at the house of God, but by and large, the great lessons are learned at the table. There's a big thing that's learned at the table, and that is when you eat at the table and you're done eating, someone has to do the dishes. When you eat at the table, someone has to serve, someone has to cook. Preparation time is critical for teaching families how to serve. What the restaurant has done to us, it's removed all of the effort of serving. Now, I like to go to the restaurant. We like to go there. We like to have our food cooked, prepared. We like to leave our plates right there. But someone has got to pick that up. But if you always go to the restaurant, you, you might think this is simplistic. I'm telling you, families who don't serve one another at home almost never serve at the church. 
they almost never serve the church. They think the church is like a restaurant. I want it served. I want it warmed. I want it prepared. And I'm going to walk out and leave. And I want someone to clean up all this. And you know, the, it, the basic part of serving, it, it doesn't have to just be preparing the meal and delivering it to the table. It's serving, would you please pass? Pass me. I mean, the basic manners at the table of, of learning to serve and passing things and, and, and right. helping one another. That's good. Th- this, thank you. Yeah, that was good. Amen. How are we doing? Oh, well, I don't know, but let's go. <laughs> You all come up here and do this with your wife and see how, see how this works here. This is, this, I didn't I, drink coffee this morning because I said I'm not going to get up there and be all jittery. I did. I drank several cups of coffee. But now I'm like, oh, I wish I'd had that coffee. <laughs> the, but but I, I don't think we should leave this yet, okay, Tammy, ahead. because I think, that, I think that in the context of where our church is going, and we're going to hear this in, in about it's an, it's two or three weeks from now. It's often an overspill, as you say. Whatever yes. you're doing at home and what you're learning at your table is definitely a reflection of what they're going to do or what we do at church. The servant definitely. mentality, the servant mentality definitely. has got to get a hold of our families. Yeah. We have got to create a culture of serving one another and yeah. serving people and yeah. serving God. And yes. if we don't, if we, if we bypass this and think that it's no big deal, Listen, you can have your own family recipes, but all of them ought to include serving. Absolutely. You, have, you can have your own family tradition, but it always in, should include serving people. Um, okay, so, so we're talking a little bit about this culture and the, the prayer of the culture. So the world is going to press on you, and you're going to be very, very busy. We're all very busy. Some people in here work a lot of hours. Some work several different jobs. But you have to reserve some time for conversation. So it may not be around a table. It could be in a family room, a living room. But there has to be time for conversation in your family. And, and may I just say to all the unmarried folks that may in the future get married, let me just tell you, if you'll get a hold of these principles, they'll save you, they'll keep you, They'll, they'll grow you. They'll establish you. Establish them young. Get a hold of the principles and establish them early in your relationships. It's That's right. If you date someone and your main commentary is that they're quiet, <laughs> the strong and silent type, I've heard all of that. It, they don't seem very strong five years later after you got married. Conversation. They seem aloof conversation has to take place the strong and silent type that's a lie you're not very strong if you can't express and have conversation that's how your relationship is built and if you don't have conversation with people that you say you love they're gonna have conversation with someone else and i'm not talking just about the marriage i'm talking about your children too Come on, all ladies. Would you like to have a conversation with your husband? Would you like to have him say something? Come on, men. Would you like to have a conversation with your wife? And if you haven't had a conversation, you need to have some conversation and turn off everything, unplug everything. Why, let me ask you, why do you have to go to Florida to have peace? Why do you have to go to Cancun to get away? You know why? Because the house has not been protected. Because there's no conversation in the house. We just have to get away so we can just spend some time together. You mean you can't spend some time together at your kitchen, in your family room? 
You can't spend any time there? No, there's a lot. You know why? I'll tell you what's happened. It's sad, but it's true. And we've been taught that. America is teaching, all, we're, our society is teaching, if you want some quality time, go here to have quality time. I what? sat down with a friend of mine not too long ago, and um, she was telling me about her new couch. Actually, we were sitting on the new couch. And she said, do you know I bought this couch? I think she said three months ago, and this is the first time that I've sat down on the couch. And I related to that because we can be busy and stay and neglect just the sitting down and enjoying the conversation. You know, I'm a, I'm a hyper individual myself, and I like to go. So I related to what she said, but boy, that just took me. And it took us off guard when she realized, oh, this is my new couch, and I have not sat on it in three months. Wow. We've Let's got talk a lot about what we eat here, okay. what we eat at our table. Um, we eat ideas, yeah. philosophies, a worldview, yeah. the definition of God, proper conduct of living at our table. Sure. That's what we eat. Let me do it again. We eat ideas, philosophies, a worldview, the definition of God, and proper conduct of living at our table. Because like, again, if we don't have the conversation, and it's not just with our kids, uh-huh. it's between me and Tammy. Sure. We're talking about it. We're talking about establishing these things. Because whether you know it or not, we actually have a life outside of this building. <laughs> and we figured out a long time ago, if we're going to be effective inside this building... We better have some substance outside of the building. Um, I, have, I have something that maybe all of you mothers could probably relate to. You prepare the meal at home, and there's nothing more disappointing when you've prepared the meal and the kids come home and say, oh, I ran through McDonald's on my way home from the, the ball game. I'm really not hungry, Mom. And I'm like, oh, guys, come on. Or, you know, we've been snacking all day. We're just not ready to eat. So here's, here's the analogy here. It's what are you eating? What are we feasting on? The things that you just named, ideas, philosophies, the good conversation, the God things, those are nourishing. And so you prepare this nice nourishing meal, but, the, but they, to find out they've ran through fast food, they ran through McDonald's. And I'm constantly, I'm constantly telling my kids, excuse me, You're going to create an appetite that only desires fast food and junk food. The more often you keep going to these fast food. The same thing for, um, if you want to say conversation. If we're having the wrong kind of conversation, if we're not having what's lovely, what's pure, the good nourishing things at our table, we're going to create a, a, a hunger for what's not good. And you know how it is with sweets. When you eat a sweet, you start desiring more of that sweet, what's not good for you. So I, I propose that we consider what we're fist, feasting on at our very own table. And, and I think that, that as that conversation unfolds, yeah. we know that we, we're working with our, our family and we're, we're striving to sure. lead them sure. in the right way. But if the conversation is always shallow, we have to establish some rules. I mean, first of all, one of our rules is that we don't talk outside a house. We don't share our dirty laundry. M- m- many years ago, people were, they were so excited in the church when they found out that Tammy and I had an argument. I don't know why everyone was so excited. 
I told her not to argue with me, and she kept on doing it. I told her, and I people got all excited. I, but we do have an argument once in a while, right, Tammy? Yes, we do. Okay. I mean, is that a big deal? Do you, do, do you know, you know, yeah. that, that, sure. that we, we're, we live a life. We're living a life. We brush our teeth in the morning. We have disagreements. I'm anointed of God. I know that I'm anointed. But I'm also angry when I get cut off in the highway and I, and I, and, and, and. And he also has chores at home to do. I've got things I've got to do. Got to take care of them. I've got, I've got basic, basic things that I have to accomplish every day, just like everybody else. Every day. There's frustrations every day. So we're not saying that, uh, we have everything together, but we also don't share everything with everybody. Like some dumb people. Some people are just dumb. They share everything with everybody. All of this rebuttal that happened in Twitter, I'm not talking about this church with Hollywood and all these people, all this rebuttal and people are slamming. You know what? It serves you right. Take a picture. Put it online. Then let people respond to that picture, whatever it is. Make a statement. Why do you have to tell everything about your life? There's some things that we've grappled with. You'll never know. And if our kids tell... Well, they do tell. They do. <laughs> they better not tell. Well, okay. To some extent, right? Who, are they, who do they tell? Well, they talk. Kids talk. But if it was a daily diet, what are you saying? Well, I'm just... Well, I'm, Makes me nervous. What are you saying? Well, I'm just saying that there's some things you should handle in your home Absolutely. and you should just leave it in the confines of your home. Now, I'm not right. talking about immorality. I'm not talking about gross sin. I'm talking about the what? daily struggles. Some right. things need to be left at the table. They don't need to be carried outside of the home. And I'm, I'm confused why the people still, some, not, not everybody, but some still think that it's okay to share all the family stuff online. Right. And when you're fam- and when you're grieved, or when you're all That's this wisdom, I think why would wisdom you do that? tells us wisdom should say uh, when to close your mouth, right? That's Don't you think that's just wisdom. Yes, and but, spiritual maturity. I think we're going to get to okay, that. On page okay, okay, we'll get that. Yeah. So, so I, I I've got to go back to what we're eating. We want to eat good there, things. Yes. We want to yes. have good things. What we're doing at this table. Yes. And there are things that we want to institute, and one of those things that we institute is, is, a, is a, a particular diet, but it's not a diet of, of refraining necessarily, right. or it's not the diet you might think of, no sugar. It's really, it's really the diet of respect. Everybody say respect. respect. Because the table demands yeah. respect. Yeah. You have to develop that. It doesn't come naturally. I did have another point I wanted to say. When I said the sugar, ingesting sugar, it's easy and, and how that whets your appetite. If you're ingesting something negative, gossip at your table. How easy is that to just keep feasting on that? You keep desiring it, keep going. I think I people would do get. That. I think people do get. They yeah. get accustomed to it, so it becomes a way of life. Yeah. and it's unhealthy. So it's very unhealthy. The once you open that up, then you think that's okay, and then you enjoy it. Yeah. You know that people live off of the knowledge of other people. Their whole lives are wrapped up in what's happening in someone else's life. Yeah. In fact, That's the worst, the, the, the bad things that happen in other people's lives bring other folks joy. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to talk about that, do you? But it does. And I've seen that. Well, you know, they're having a bad time, really. And you know that person's going down and that person's married. To, really? That's what you got to talk about? That's what you have? You have nothing good, nothing lovely, no virtue, no praise. 
You know what I call that? I call it nonsense. It may not be gossipy, and it may not be so negative, but it's just pure nonsense. And I love a good laugh. I mean, I am all about something, fu- something funny. Something funny. I'm all about that. I love videos. I love, um, what is it, these um, blooper videos. The kids will show me these videos, and I love them. But after a while, a constant diet of just nonsense. I have to put a stop to it. You know, we're not going to just, if it's not lovely and it's not pure and it's not just, then maybe it just doesn't have a place. In moderation, yes, but a daily diet of nonsense, I can't have it. My dad... My dad battled us for some time, and we were we would come to the table uh, ready for dinner, and sometimes we would not put a shirt on. Was it was it me, Scott? Was it both of us? You? What was it you, like, Scott? Like <laughs> I don't want to always throw you under the bus, but there's so many things I can throw you under the bus for. I would have done it, but I just. I saw what happened to you. And Scott would come to the church, come, come to the table, and I think I probably did a few times, without a shirt on just to test dad's resolve. And dad would not allow anyone to eat if you didn't have a shirt on. And my mother would not allow Dana to come if she had not uh, combed her hair or brushed her hair. I think it's a respect. Dad said that was Respect. Now, we argued that it had nothing to do with respect. It just had to do with the absence of a small piece of... I can still hear my brother saying, it's a small piece of fabric. Are you saying this little millimeter of fabric really matters that much? And he would just argue and dad would be mad and then the salt shaker would be flying across the room and a fork in the side of the wall. This stuff would happen and we learn. And so at our table now today... We say, you are not coming to the table like that. Why? Because it's a matter of respect. I still get a little bothered when I walk to the grocery store and someone walks in with their pajamas on. (laughs) Is it wrong of me? I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm just thinking, can't you put your clothes on? I know you've been wearing those pajamas for a long time. I followed someone around, had their pajamas on. I, I, I lost my, I couldn't even shop. I didn't say back fat. I didn't say anything about back fat. You know what? But respect looks different. Respect is respect, right? But I do believe that sometimes we can define respect differently in our home. And I think it's important that we do define what respect is. Like you knew what your dad expected, the expectations of you at the table, right? Right, right. I think that's important, parents, that we define what is expected, what you expect at your table. What kind of language is used? Right. What is permissible to say? What's yeah. not permissible to say? Yeah. Yeah. Where did those standards go? Let me just tell you. There's great security yeah. in the lives of people. You don't have freedom when you remove your boundaries. No. There's no. no new freedom when you remove all of those fences no. and boundaries. The more respect is removed from our homes and our lives. Let me just tell you. There is an honor and respect missing in our churches. Sure. There is a... And it didn't start at the church. It started at the home. 
when there's no respect for mom and dad and for one another. It's not just mom and dad, respect for our, for the siblings. And then all of a sudden we come to church and I see, I see young 25, 28, 30 year old people talk and goof off the entire time the praise team is worshiping. I see young men getting engaged, but never ask anyone for blessings. Lack of respect. I see people making life choices, but they never ask an elder or a leader, should I do this? You know what that is? It's a lack of respect. Where did it start? It did not start in this house. It started a long time ago. And it starts with communication. It's not going to happen if you don't communicate it. Listen, it's got to be communicated. If I respect Tammy, it is the greatest gift I can give my sons and my daughter. Because what I'm doing is I'm teaching my boys through example how to treat their wife. And I'm teaching my daughter not to marry a bum. I'm teaching my daughter. Instinctively, she's going to think, yeah, well, my dad never said that to my mom. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I agree. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there are boundaries set up in her brain. Incidentally, I said that if I said her name, I have to $20 I owe her. But, you know, some of you folks, are you're, you're very hateful, and you keep going to her and say, your dad said your name, your dad said your name. So I'm just making a deal. If I have to give money, you're going to split it with me. If you... If you tattletale on me, it's $10 out of your pocket and in mine. Bell. Hey, talk about this. The boundary, yeah, the boundary of set, defining what respect is. This is a thought that um, I don't know. I hope that I can convey this very well. But I'm thinking this is how it happens in my house. When we have the line of respect and everyone knows this yep. is what dad expects. This is what I expect at the table. Now, when you have... Um, High stress, of course, in everyone's home, right? A high stress level, teenagers, infants, whatever the case, you add that, you're going to get disrespect, right? It's going to happen. We're promoting respect, but disrespect happens. But what I'm finding is when there's a line and they know, ooh, I just crossed the line of disrespect. You know what the good thing happens? <gasps> Recovery. They realize, oh, I crossed the line. Yes. I know I crossed the line. Now I can recover well. And there's nothing greater than watching each other, even mom and dad, watching when we have a self-awareness of, uh-oh, that was disrespectful, and then be able to recover. But that doesn't happen. Recovery doesn't happen in that way if there's no boundary set or no line drawn. A, a, a boundaryless life can yeah. never be recovered Yeah. because they never knew what they were not supposed to do. It's true. When you have no lines, no fences, no boundaries, That's actually there's nothing good. to go back to. But when we set something up and said, this is right and this is wrong. That's the law. That's biblical. That's what we have the, the right. Old Testament for. That's what we have the law and the rules for so that we know what was wrong. That's right. Very scriptural. Um, also, scriptural. respect for others, it doesn't end at the table. We have to respect each other beyond that. Um, if there's no respect or honor among family members, then it's, it's evident in the lives of other people, friendships, dating, yes. co-workers, Absolutely. your boss, yes. the people that are over you. Respect. And all of you who have your own businesses, you yes. still have a boss. They're called your clients. Yes. <laughs> Someone is always uh, over you yes. because people have the right not to buy your product and not and not to pay for your service. So... 
Respect is an incredible thing. Do you realize how far it goes to have honor and respect? It can actually get you a job that you're not qualified for, maybe, maybe in a technical sense. It's true. Honor and respect opens up doors for people. It's a beautiful thing. And, and Solomon, we have several scriptures, but Solomon described that. If there was honor and respect among homes, families, children, and I go again, blended families, single parent homes, let me just tell you, it's a beautiful thing to teach that. You don't just teach it with words, but you teach it with items. My mother used to tell us to respect the car, to honor the car. She named all of her cars. She had a Ford Granada. I don't remember the name. Nellie. She named it Nellie. I think that was it. Nellie. And, and, and she would rub the dash and tell Scott and me, Dana, you got to respect Nellie. And we would laugh, oh, mom, we respect you have to respect Nellie. I like what you said a couple weeks ago when you said, the way you do anything is the way you're going to do everything. So if we walk in our children's room or even in our room and everything is just trashed and you're disrespecting the items, the yes. car, you're disrespecting, you hammer that a lot about the car and the clean car. It's kind of, I've, I've kind of adopted that as my own because I'll say, all right, kids, Get all this stuff out. You're not going to disrespect my car. It's true. Um, but if you disrespect the items and the things in your home, it's easy to start disrespecting others and this, other things. This, is, this has been a big conflict in America because we are a throwaway society. We're a red solo cup society. We, we, we toss everything that we don't think is of value. I put my red solo cups in the dishwasher, just so you know. Sometimes they come out crooked and <laughs> melted. We use them. I do wash them. They're clean. They don't, they, they don't, they don't, they're not as yeah. durable. Okay. Um, and so, Tammy, I, I think this is critical for us because we've got to go quickly now. Um, what we allow our children to speak and disrespectful of each other even. Oh. Um, so I think, I think you need... Now, we're still a work in progress, but this is definitely something we try to teach at home and we try to model it. Um, I don't even in jest. I don't like. I don't like the constant, um, even in joking, uh, the disrespect. Because I realize if this is how you're going to treat your brother or your sister, you're going to eventually do this with your friend, and then it's going to happen wherever in your place of business or whatever. It definitely bleeds. My brother over. and I fought. Yeah. But but I also but my brother also protected me and and I, um, I always uh, Scott was my hero. So I I I wanted to be like Scott. And um, all of my all, all of my growing up here, so we did fight, but but there was it was it was more of it was more of a of a of a relationship that was built upon his success. I wanted I was proud when Scott was successful always, and and then when Scott got married, then Dane and I got real close, and I always wanted I I wanted her to do well. I was always so proud when she got her first car. It was a red. A uh, little two-door red Toyota. Do you remember that? And I was so glad. And she got a, she got her nursing degree, and and she had her own apartment. And I thought, man, this is so wonderful. That I want our kids, and I I often tell our kids, if you can't respect one another, I'm not going to let you have any friends. You know, I noticed that when we were dating. 
I noticed that when we were dating, whenever we first met, you spoke very highly of your mother, your father, and your siblings. And, and I had brothers too, and I loved them, but I probably didn't know how to verbalize so well in that way. I didn't realize the benefit of that. Um, but, but I think that's important. Well, mostly speak. I was proud of Scott and scared of Dana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but I, I think still that's am. important that we speak. That's a Frightened part of, of respect. Her. We're all scared of Dana. Okay. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> okay. Merry Christmas. Where's the camera? Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's. But it starts with self-respect. Because if you don't respect yourself, you're not respecting anybody That's else. That's absolutely true. If you, don't, if you don't have a little self-respect, you're not going to respect anyone else. That's true. All right. So care for yourself and better yourself. Don't resign yourself just to be who you think you are right now. Do better. Get a book. Read it. Read a book. Open up the Bible. Go on a one-day fast. If you can't make it three days, do one day. If you can't do one day, fast lunch, dinner. Even if you determine you're not going to eat breakfast tomorrow, I promise right now you're hungry. But do something. Better yourself. That's good. It's a good thing. Self-respect. It'll lift you up. Um, let's, let's just talk about what we're serving. We're serving, we talk about boundaries and the seasons of our lives. Uh, there's two, there's at least two seasons. I think there's a lot more, but could we just tackle two of them? There's the word season and then there's the example season. And the, in, in, in the word season, Tammy often says that when our kids were young, we could tell them what to do and where to go, how to be. But as they get older, Words mean nothing unless there's an example behind it. In fact, most of what we're teaching right now is by example. Not by what we say. When When they're little, it is easy to say, this is just what we do. We have this. We go to church. We do whatever. It's easy to just say it when they're little. They get it. Okay, whatever. They'll take whatever we say. But as they're getting older, and I'm finding this out. Four teenagers in the home. Well, four, and we'll watching. have four te- actual teenagers in March. Yeah. When Nico turns 13 in March, we'll have four. But they're four watching. It doesn't really small. matter what you say. They're watching you. Oh, yeah? You said that, Mom? Is that what you do? And they'll question you on it. Very yes. respectfully, yes. but they'll question you. Yes. So, so it's important. We're serving these boundaries, and we're serving now at the table. There's daily duties. There are curfews. There are things that we have expectation of. Listen, Let's go back to this. Your family matters. It matters. Longevity of your attendance and faithfulness in this house is going to be based upon what you do in your home. You serve up a constant diet of poison, of regret, of anger. If you're at your home, you're always talking about people, bitterness. I'm telling you, a man who's a bitter man, a woman who is a bitter woman, they'll destroy their family every time destroy their family so we have a lot of notes we have a lot of notes so i would just say there's accountability and and we have several measures of accountability even in our own home i have lifelock which tells me every time tammy's opening up a new credit card i have uh i have access to capital one tells every time tammy is buying something um, little ding, but we also have things called Life 360. It's a little app. You push on the app, and wherever the kids are, we know where they are. We know how fast they're 
they're driving or who's driving fast and they know where in the we car. Are. We've called them several times and said, hey, you know, you, you can't be going 75 miles an hour. And they would say, okay, or they'll say, I'm not driving. <laughs> so these are, these are accountability measures. They're small things, but they add up. We care. We want our kids and our family to know we care about what they're doing. We care. If you don't express in some way that you care at home, there is a carelessness that happens in the church house too. Let's talk about godliness. Be real, ladies and gentlemen. Tammy asked me, what do you want, what do you want the people to know? I want people to get real. Stop pretending and get real. Stop acting like you love the Lord, but you don't love the Lord. Stop acting like you, 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 you deny the Lord in your home, but you express something here. I want, I want people to be real. Love God. Now, I'm not talking about being real and being a devil all day long. I'm talking about shed those devilish ways and get in the church without being in the building. How about being in the church without being in the building all the time? How about making a commitment, a real commitment? How many Sundays have you missed this year? How many Sunday nights have you missed this year? Let's turn that around. Get inside the church. I'll tell you how you do it. You love God at home. You serve God at home. Don't let anything replace that. Be real. Be a real worshiper. Don't be a song service worshiper. Last... I, I don't have to go. I well, last week, you talk, last week you talked about um, ways to destroy your home, ways to destroy your marriage. One of them was be carnal, just be carnal. So I think it goes along with that. I think that was a very good point that you said. You be carnal and you're going to destroy your marriage. So I want to say, this is your word. Because I said, what would you want to tell the, what do you want to say to the people? I think I said to be real. And you said, I want to say grow up, <laughs> grow up, be mature and be mature Christians. So I would say. I'm going to say, reflecting on last week's message, if you, if you want to destroy your family, be carnal. I'm going to say, be mature. Be a mature Christian. There comes a time when we have to move past foundational spirituality and grow in Christ. There are things that we're battling with in our homes that should have been established a long time ago. You spoke on this last week. I thought that was so revolutionary. There's things that we're battling with. This should have just been a given. I can hardly stand saying to my kids, did you make your bed? Did you put the dirty clothes in the basket? How about the wet towels? Are you hanging them up? That is foundational. That should be given. We should be moving way past that. They should know when they get in the car, buckle up. If I have to continue as teenagers to say that to my kids, if we have to continue, I think the best analogy, let me finish this. The best analogy is when you said... I smashed my finger or my thumb and the body, the body heals itself. So the whole body started nurturing the ailment of my finger or my thumb. Yes. I thought, oh, that's so true. That's what happens in the church. We want to grow as a church. But what happens is when we have carnality and spiritual immaturity in the, the body of Christ, the whole body is rushing to that individual or the family. There's the air quotes. The kids said, don't get up there and use air quotes. Um, um, the whole body is rushing to that carnality family or the, car, the person that's being carnal 
And guess what? We're neglecting mm-hmm. the new believers mm-hmm. that are walking yeah, in the door. Right, we don't have right. time to spend with the new, or those that are truly hurting, that need care. Yes. There's a lot that truly Here, need here's care. What, here's what the book of Hebrews writes. Therefore, yeah. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Are you ready? Let us go unto perfection, the doctrine of Christ. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. These are, the, these are the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. Of the doctrine of baptisms. You know, baptism is a doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. Laying on of hands, that's a doctrine. The resurrection from the dead, that's a doctrine. Of eternal judgment, that's a doctrine. And this we will do if God permit. I won't read the whole thing, but for if it is possible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, it goes on. Watch this. We first found it, but we keep going back over and over and over the foundation. Paul doesn't say do away with those things, but the writer is saying, let's move on to another level. What... We're going we're gonna to go back over foundational stuff. We can never get to the next level because we get hung up on, on the simplistic things of obedience and submission. And man, we should be growing. We got to grow in depth in the Lord. We got to get deeper and we got to go higher. But the only way we can do that is if we become spiritually mature. Spiritually mature. And I go back to this, Dad. I'm going to go back to this. Every father in this house that you have children in this house, regardless of what their age is, you should be presenting yourself publicly in worship and sacrifice. You are raising up children that will not stay in the church. They will not have any love for God if you don't publicly sacrifice yourself in worship and in praise. The best thing, the best gift you can give is not a gift card. It's not a trip. It's not a, it's not a, it, there's nothing you can buy that's better than giving your children the image of you total sacrifice and worship publicly in the house of God. Absolutely, But we're going back now because we didn't value. The family matters, and I'll tell you how this family is going to matter. It matters when we are serving God and we can grow in the Lord. Put away things, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to put away some you things. You know, Brother Raymond Woodward said it so well. He said, if we're not careful, the things that we, uh, we don't conquer, the things that we allow to keep coming up in our life, if we don't conquer them, life goes on and you're going to see those in your children. You're going to see that your grown adults will be hindered and will actually be, become defeated because you didn't conquer those little things in your life and move on. Tammy, we have that was to. Such a we, big thing. Can we just go jump go, to the end because we have do. so little time? And talk we, about let's, who? Let's talk about whom we eat with or Who's who is at, at your table. Your table. <clears throat> um, Brother Woodward spoke about this so eloquently, so I want to be real careful that I, you, you need to get the, the sermon called Who is at Your Table. But we've been investigating this. Godly influences should be at your table. Your family, elderly. Can I set it up one second? Yes, ma'am. Because this is so true. Everybody has a table. It doesn't matter what the style of your table is. We like a round table, preferably. If we're going to have good conversation, we want a round table. But um, it doesn't matter the style of the table. There's always one factor. There's always, there's only so many seats that are going to be seated at your table, right? So that, that's the question. That's the setup. Who are you going to put in those? We have eight chairs at our table. We can pull up chairs to the, to the, bar, to the corners. We pull up um, 
So we can have 10 to 14 sometimes at our table. Who are those 14 people going to be? That's what I would propose. Tell now. I'm skipping to this last part that I believe the Lord spoke to me. Okay. It's not always what people say that corrupt you. Yes. It's what they represent. And they're at your table. And they're at your table. If you look at 1 Samuel 20, and I'm, I'm, I'm just flying through this, you'll notice a couple things. You'll notice some people that were present at the, at the table of Saul and people were absent. You see, some folks don't have to be there physically, but their word could be there. You didn't invite Jesus at your table. He's not there physically, but is his word welcomed? What, what do you eat and with whom do you eat? Because I don't think we've been very careful about that. We let anyone say anything to us and we give no reply. I would say, guard your table. Don't invite everyone into your life. Make sure there's a reason for them to be there. I don't know who's at your table, but I will say today, you need to be very careful. You see, Saul sat against the wall. And the reason why I think he sat against the wall is because he lived a life of suspicion. He was suspect of everyone. And the reason why is because he knew the motives of his heart. Abner sat next to him. Abner was the commander of the army because Abner represents Saul's anger and retaliation, retribution. retribution. David had a seat, but David was afraid to get there. And guess who was absent, who never came to that table, who was never invited, no seat. There was no prophet at the seat, at the table of King Saul. No prophet. Who is at your table? Who do you allow speak into your life? And you might say, well, they never say anything bad. What do they represent? Do they represent rebellion and hatred? Do they represent godliness? Because you have to be very careful. See, I know this from years of experience, and I've watched it many, many times. Your associations, many people have associations that they didn't realize it, but those associations drove them right out of the presence of God. There are people absent today because they were corrupted and didn't know it. They were corrupted in conversations. They were corrupted at tables. Uh-huh. So is there a time, I would say there is a time, that we remove or uninvite people from our table? I think of Naomi and Ruth. Ruth didn't know anything about God, but she loved Naomi. Naomi won Ruth to her, and then Naomi led her into a relationship with Jehovah. But the opposite can take place too. People can win you over. And once they've got you, they're going to introduce something to you that is far from God. And the people who can corrupt you the most are the people who know the scripture. Not the world. In closing, we have to close. But in, No, no, that was phenomenal. In closing though, those people aren't at your table unless you invite them to your table. That's what Brother Woodward said. So I would get his message. Who's at your table That's right. for sure? That's right. That was good. I believe this family matters. I believe our church family matters. Yeah. And I'm praying that God would help us. Yeah. Please stand with me now. And I know our time is done. And there's so much content. But I believe that the Lord will help us with what we have.